Okay, guys, let's get started. Y'all turn around and look. All right? Got a new camera. Okay, you're going to have to hide over there now. <laughs> now they can see you. You're not supposed to say that name, but they never know. Hey, yeah, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell them, hey, you know, you can hide, you can run, but you can't hide. Well, it's time to find another class. Hey, it, <laughs> hey it's uh, it's good to be here. It's good to have you guys here. Y'all see a, the ball-headed guy over here. Uh, Y'all might recognize the ball-headed guy. Uh, you, are you coming to stay here? Are you coming to stay or are you just in? Eventually. Eventually you're coming back. Good. Good. All right. A uh, couple of things. Yes, he does. Yes. I want to I want to acknowledge the people that are online that are watching us online. I got one individual. I said I'm gonna give a shout out to Mike. Uh, remember we talked. We've been praying about Sophia, his daughter, and uh, and she is uh, what week and a half out, and she's already walking. And uh, yeah, it's amazing, amazing. Yeah. So, hey, Mike, if you're watching. Uh, uh, congratulations for your daughter and everything that's going on with her, and and thank you for watching, guys. Uh, Anyway, uh, he was over at my house yesterday, and I told him, I'm preaching today, and really, I said, yeah, you want to watch? And so I gave, sent him the link last night, and he gave me a thumbs up, so we'll see. Well, if he's watching, great. So, uh, I don't have anything else. Uh, everything else is good. Everything's going on. It's, uh, uh, we're going to be in Second Timothy, chapter 1, this morning. If you want to get rolling over there, and... Uh, Okay, let's, uh, let's pray and we'll get started, okay? Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. We thank you, Father, for the relationship that uh, your son died to, to give us back with you. Father, we know that uh, because of our sin, that relationship was, was broken, and Jesus came to give it back to us, and we thank you for that. We celebrate that this morning. We honor and glorify you because of it. And we ask, Father, for your guidance and your and your help and, and your in uh, all those things as we as we strive to live a life that's uh, that's transformed and not conformed to this to this world. Father, thank you for the opportunities that are going to come. Thank you for the things that you allow to happen in our lives that that are growing us and building us. And we thank you so much for that. We pray your blessings upon this class. We pray your blessings on those that are watching online and all the things that are going on in their lives. And we pray, Father, for this for, for those of us here that we might uh, that we might truly listen and apply the things we learned this morning. Father, bless us this morning as we worship and as we honor and glorify you this morning. And thank you again for your son. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Just a little bit of review. Second Timothy is the second letter written to Timothy. Okay? For those of you who have not been here for a while, this is the second letter. The the first the this this letter is probably as near as we can tell the last letter that Paul will write. Okay, got that? He's in prison. We looked at all. I'm not going to go back and look at all this again, but he but he's in prison, and this time he's not under house arrest. This time he's in chains. He knows. He knows because of what's going on with Nero and what's going on in the culture in Rome that his time here is short. He knows that. He knows that he's not going to be here long. And so he's, uh, he's striving really hard to make sure that he gives everything to Timothy that he can give him. 
and so and and you're going to see a, a sense of you're going to see a sense of of a, a closeness with him uh, when you when you look at this first part of this, and and we'll see. I don't know. Uh, uh, and I lost my train of thought for just a second. I hate when that happens. It's hard to get old, you know, guys. It is not for sissies, man. So anyway, uh, we're gonna we're gonna pick it up in verse three. Is where we're gonna start. I don't know how far we'll get. Uh, there's a lot here, a lot I want to deal with here. Uh, but I I want to. Uh, uh, do you have Do you have a Anyone in your life, let's say a family member, that you can point to and say uh, that the faith I have now, I know, lived in that person first. And that's where I got it from. I got the understanding and the knowledge of that faith from that person. Everybody in your life like that? Yeah. I have, I have a lot of yeses. You know, people now, they're afraid to raise their hand because it's going to be, you know, you know it's. What was that like? What was it like to have to have that? Because I'm going to ask you what the dynamic was in Timothy's life. Okay, we're going to go back to chapter 16 of Acts and look at at what it says very briefly about what it says about him. You know, and let, let me let me read this first, and then then we'll pick up this question. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestor did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Paul said, he said, I am living my life like my ancestors did. Now, he's not talking about his ancestors like, like his biological ancestors. He's talking about the ancestors of the church, the ancestors of, of the law. If you, go to, if you go to Acts chapter 24, you go to Acts chapter 22, he says that. He says, I am following the path that they set out. I'm following the path of Abraham and Moses and David and all those guys. That's who I'm following. And, I'm, and I am living my life according to the, to the lifestyle that even the Pharisees and Sadducees are, are living. He said, I live my life that way. Remember, in Acts chapter 22, he's under arrest. That's where he's going. They're, they're arresting him. And he stands up and, and, says, and says some things. says, hey, guys, he said, I was just as sincere as any of you are today. I, I live my life the right way. I was wrong and I changed, is what he's telling them. And then he said, he said that that he has a clear conscience. That's that just basically means I, I have a clear conscience. I know what I believe, I know what I did, and I know where I am now, and where I am now is in, is is absolutely in line with what I believed before. I just needed to change some things. I need to remember that Jesus was alive. And I didn't believe that. And I believe that everything that they were teaching was wrong because I didn't believe Jesus was alive. I didn't believe he resurrected. Until that day on the road to Damascus, he wouldn't have known. He didn't know. He didn't believe it. He believed that the law was the way to go. You know, we've looked at the at the stuff in Philippians, and Philippians said, he said, I was just as zealous, you know, for any as any of you. I was a Pharisee. I was a proud of the Benjamin. He said, I was a Jew. I was born circumcised on the eighth day. He said, I was a Jew's Jew. You couldn't get any more Jew than I was. And I was wrong. He said, because I didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I didn't believe he was real. I didn't believe he was the Messiah. And he said, now I do. And everything that I did before and everything I'm doing now is in accordance with what the forefathers taught. Because if you remember, one of the forefathers he's talking about is Abraham. And it says Abraham was first taught the gospel way back then. The gospel was first taught back to Abraham back then. And everything that he did was credited to him as righteousness. 
all the belief and obedience was credited. That's what Paul's saying. And so in a sense, that's what we're doing too. In a sense, as when you look at Galatians chapter 3, and it says anyone who's been baptized is baptized into Christ. We've clothed ourselves with Christ. And he said, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. We're all sons. And then at the end of that text, he said, and we're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We are offsprings of Abraham, not physically, spiritually. If we come to know Christ, and we've been baptized into Christ, and we're living in a transformed life, then we are Abraham's offspring and heirs according to the promise. The promise that God gave way back to Abraham, through your seed I'm going to bless all nations. And we're receiving the blessing. So in a sense, we are following the same line that, that Paul did, and we are living, and he said, and he said, I serve as my ancestors did. That's what we're doing. Are we not serving a living God? Is that not what those guys did? They did it a different way because they were under the law. We are not. We are under the, we are under the law of Christ and the law of the, the new covenant we're under. That Jesus instituted with His own blood. So, so we are we are just the we're we're the graduating class from where they were. Is I guess you could say. And then he tell and he said he said I recalling your tears and and you look at this because he called you my beloved son. He said I recall your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded, you know. Do you see the closeness that these two have? Because Timothy doesn't have a father figure. I want you to turn back to Acts chapter 16 for just a second. Look at Acts chapter 16 and verse 1. It says, Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Okay? That's polar opposite. Okay? Now, it's, if you go back to chapter 14, it's that's when Paul first goes to Lystra. That's where Timothy lives. And probably that's when Timothy was converted there at that point. Paul may have, it says, Paul laid their hands on him. Gave him, imparted some gift to him. He's going to tell him, you need to fan into flame the gift that was given to you. But if you go back to chapter to 2 Timothy and look at this. Now, I'm through jumping around. All right? I want you to, you know, he said, he says, I'm recalling your tears. I long to see you so I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Now, get back to my question. I asked how many of you, had someone in your life, a family member, that had a faith that you strive to imitate. And how was that? How was that in your life? How, how was that? How, what was the dynamic? Because you're looking at Timothy here, okay? Timothy's dynamic is he's got a mom and a grandma that, that believe in Christ and are converted. You already know what it does. What, what did it do to the religious aspects of their lives? It put it in chaos. Okay? Because everybody around them is not being converted, <clears throat> only them. And so if they're converted and they and they are they are, they're pulling away from you know, listen, I talked about this a while ago. When you pull have to pull away from them, sometimes you find out if you've been around for a while, it's, I can't be around these people anymore. I, I can't I can't do this because they're, this is not healthy. And so you have to pull away. What do you think Lois and Eunice were doing? He's got she's he's got a Greek father. Y'all understand what that means? He doesn't believe the same way they do. He, 
It doesn't say anything about the dynamic of his father. Just let's say, what's the, what do you think the dynamic was in Timothy's life with a Greek father and a believing mom and grandmother? What do you think that was like? You think it could be chaotic at times? You think it could be uh, uh, difficult at times? Difficult to navigate through all that? Mom and grandma are learning all this stuff, and they're growing, and they've got some kind of gifts, and maybe they got you know some miraculous gifts they've been given. And here there's Greek father, and he doesn't believe any of it. He doesn't believe nothing. How's that going to work? And in that culture, the man is the dominant force in that home. And here's these two ladies that have this young boy that's 14, 15, 16 years old. And he's watching this unfold. And I want to know what it was it like in your house if you had one. If you had a mentor that was a that was godly, or maybe you had a godly home. What was that like? What was it like, Bobby? I had a father-in-law that uh, uh, was everything I hoped to be. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Yeah, give it. Yeah, Brent, Bentra? My mom and dad, but my dad especially, he was the leader, okay. and he was grounded, and he, he knew where he was headed and what he wanted, okay. and we followed him. Okay. We loved it. Bender says that she had a dad that was very grounded. Her mom allowed him to be the leader in the home and to ground them in the faith and ground them in truth. That must have been a very peaceful, very wholesome, I would think. See, God, I didn't have that. I didn't, I didn't have any of that. I am the first Christian in my family. I am the first. There was nobody in my life. So it was pretty much... You know, it just kind of, everything kind of went, whatever you want. Chris, you you know what I'm talking about. I was the first one also. I ain't had nobody. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm, that's why I, my question, I said, I want to know what it was like. I, I envy you because I didn't have that. I had to fight tooth and nail, scratching and clawing to get where I got, you know, spiritually, because I didn't have anybody I could admit, that could mentor me, that could that I could grow up when I was five, six years old, where your little kids are and they're looking at mom and dad. And mom and dad are grounded. I, I long for that. I wish I'd have had that in my life, where I could, where I had a mom and a dad that was going to police things that I did. They were going to look at movies and they were going to look at books and they were going to look at all this stuff. And and you know, I just got kind of here, go, see ya. You got to be in by nine o'clock. We're going to eat at seven. You know, didn't watch what we were doing, nothing. And I don't know what it's like to have that kind of peacefulness in my home. Yeah. What really impressed me was my, my dad, and specifically my dad, was that we're going to church. You know, you're going to be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Uh -huh. Didn't matter. You know, and even when we went out of town, we would usually find a church to go to on Sunday morning. Big company's coming. Well, we'll see y'all there. If you want to go with us, we're going to church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and that really impressed me. I hope, I hope my boys can say, and I think they can say, you know, I, I, I know. I don't know what that was like because I had that. I had a spiritual connection in my home. You know, Mark did for the first, what, seven, eight years of your life. But after that, Paul comes along and we're, we're already converted. Kevin didn't, you know. But you can see, I, I can, you can see the things that happened in those two guys' life that didn't happen in yours. And I believe it was because by the time Paul came along, 
we were we were we were grounded and then i watched kevin and mark make some choices that that they may not have made if that we would have, if we'd have been grounded all along so never look at yourselves and say man it's too hard it's never too hard because one of these one of these days your grandkids are going to be are going to need somebody and if they don't have anybody it may be as chaotic as it was in Timothy's life, and it may be as chaotic as it was in my life. Yes, ma'am. I was just going to say, my, my, my family, that was, you know, staying with my family, yeah, church family. But there was a time in my life, and I had a church family that I felt like, if I was in the red blessed Jesus, that I was ready to fall into hell. Yeah. You know, Linda's saying that that uh, that it uh, that it can get chaotic even in church sometimes. <laughs> you know, it can. You know, it's full of bunch of it's full of bunch of sick people. You know, they're they're trying to recover. Sometimes the you know you go in a hospital and you guys you are a nurse Larry you know you know you're still and you know you can go in a nurse and sometimes you're gonna get sick. If you don't care for you're gonna get sick because it's gonna get on you. You know, you're gonna get infected with something. You know, you know. I, I used to clean a clinic over here, and I and I cleaned the clinic. And my father-in-law, who was a, who was a lab tech, he called me and he said, he said, I think I told you all the story. He said, he said, uh, you clean such such room? I said, yeah, I did. He said, you got to come up to the hospital. He said, we got to give you a shot. For what? For hepatitis. He said there was a there was someone with hepatitis whatever in that room, and if you got anything on you, and I said, okay. No, they gave it to me here. I couldn't walk. Out. <laughs> I don't know what that's. It was like it was like honey coming out of that syringe. But anyway, you know, they were being cautious that I didn't get sick because even in a place like this, you're gonna get sick sometimes. Sometimes it's gonna get off on you because there's sick people here. You have to be aware and, and wary of it. But but I think that if you have a better chance of surviving that, if you start, you can see it at home and mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, whatever can emphasize and elevate the good and the positive because it's not always going to be people are people are sinners. It's just what they are. Where else do you want them to be? I want them to be in a place that they can get the help and that's a hospital. And that's what this that's what we're trying to be here is a hospital where people can get can get better. So, you know, I I got another question here. And really these are for me, guys, because I want to know. How did that affect your your walk of faith? How did it affect having someone in your life, how did it affect your walk of faith? Did it affect it? Because there's people in here that don't know what you're talking about. They didn't have it. How did that affect your walk of faith? Did it did it make an impact having mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, whatever, having son, father-in-law, whatever, that was that was that was grounded? They have. Then he says here. He said, I want I want you to li just listen to this verse. He said, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know these things from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. That's in chapter 3. We'll get there. When we get there, we'll deal with it some more. But that, that what he had, he'd been taught by his mom and by his mom and his grandmother. He had been taught she was a Jewish and she was faithful. And so she was, he was taught the way of the law. You remember, you guys, I mean, you know, the, the Shema. Remember the Shema? We, we talked about that. It was, you know, the 
to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And it was Deuteronomy chapter 6 was above their door. And they would see it every day. They would recite it every day. That was in a Jewish culture. They were, they were bombarded with, with Scripture every day in their life. There's where, that's where Timothy was. He was learning it from his mother and from his grandmother. And then when, when the truth came along, they were converted. They were converted. And they taught, they taught this boy. And now Paul is writing, and 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years later, we're reading about this kid, okay, that was taught by his mom and grandma. You have no idea where this could go in people's lives. Teach them the truth. Live it. Walk it. Don't just talk it. Live this in front of them. Because I'm telling you what, it makes a difference in people's lives, especially in young children's lives. Remember something. You may not be part of the, these kids' lives, but when you see them running up and down on the thing, you see them you know, taking their money and all that stuff, those are our kids. Okay? Those are our kids. All of our kids. And we have a responsibility to walk it in front of them so it doesn't make it difficult for these two or those two or any others in here to make it difficult for you to, to live it in front of them. And they can say, well, I saw so-and-so doing something, you know, walked into an into a, 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 a Exxon the other day, and there's Dan's face with a, two six-packs in his hand. You know, now you're telling me it ain't okay to drink? So make sure you know what you're doing and never make sure that, that you are you're responsible just as much as their parents. Maybe not the same way, but we're responsible for what happens in those people's lives by how we live our lives. Okay? A walking, talking faith. Not just something that says on Sunday morning. We got too much of that. We got too much, too many people just talk it on Sunday and don't live it on Thursday. Okay? Now, any questions? Anything? I was just going to say, yes, I was raised in a house where we started out Catholic, you know, because my dad was Catholic in the church, and we didn't go for years. Mm -hmm. But I always had the pull and always wanted to go. So when they knocked on the door and said, you got a toy bus coming around, you want to get on the bus, I got on the bus and have been, you know, close to God my entire life. But it wasn't because of my mom and my grandma. They came along later. My mm -hmm. mom, I think when she was younger, her grandma took her to church, mm -hmm. and she had that in there, but she was When I know in her later life it came out, Definitely. because I was a part of it. And that's what yes. I was going to say about me, is I was going through all of mom's stuff. There was stuff from her grandma. Mm -hmm. Her grandma did Bible studies. It was books and books of Bible studies. And you know, you could but, tell how spiritual she was. And I'm like, can that even, you know, even though I did not know that woman at all, I feel like, well, maybe that's where I got my spiritual pull from. It's been too you know, Could very well have been. Could, be, you know, could very well have been. Some talents are in yeah. there, too. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't either. I mean, you know, I knew her later on in life. And I knew how spiritual she was later on. I knew Frank. You know, and I know... You know, sitting with them in their in their living room, I know, you know, the things they were saying. And, you know, you can tell when people are pulling your leg. You know, when they're dying, they're not no, pulling your leg. You know, I mean, it's the truth. It's real. What they're talking is real. All right? And uh, and they they were they were both godly people. They really were. And, you know, I didn't I didn't know Frank's first wife. I didn't, I, I just wasn't connected at that point. But I knew Frank. And, and it was, you know, I mean, and maybe some of what you were going through, some of your your faithfulness was rubbing off on them as well. Well, it made them come to church. Mom, there you, there you go. There you go. See, so the dynamic in that home was everybody was feeding off everybody, which is a good thing. What I'm looking at is 
is these children that are people's homes are, are me, I'm, I'm 72 years, I'm not a child anymore. And I didn't have any of that. I didn't have, I didn't have that, you know, I mean, we had some religious parts, but it was not, it was not where I was being, I was being groomed with the book. By Chris, I was being groomed with a doctrinal ideology. And that's not always a healthy thing. Okay, it isn't. So, anyway, let's move on. Got it? For this reason, verse 6, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. We don't know what that gift was, for sure. It never tells us for sure. But why, what is he saying here? Fan into flame the gift that you've been given. How many of you have a fireplace in your house? Any of you have a fireplace in your house? Okay, some of you. You know, Paul, you get used to. Used to. You know, if you don't tend the fire, what happens? And what we have to do? Put more wood on it, fan it, fan it with a fan or something, put up the, and get it to start burning again, right? That's the same idea here. Fan in the flame, stir it up. Is it, have you found that there's times when you, when you, when the gift that you know that you've got gets dormant or you get lackadaisical, complacent? See that? Yeah, you, you feel that sometimes? It happens to all of us. And so this, this verse could be written to any one of us. Fan it to flame. If it's going out, fan it to flame. It's important. Fan it to flame. How do you do that? How do you, how do, you do that? How do you fan that gift into flame? How is Timothy going to do it? I mean, remember, he's in a very hostile place. He's a, he's a preacher at Ephesus, pretty much hostile. They try to kill Paul, so I would say that's kind of hostile, you know. And you know, and he's got some he's got some real serious things here. I mean, they're gonna they're you know in a couple of couple of chapters here they're gonna talk about keeping teachers that will tickle their ears and all that stuff. You know, so it's hostile. How do you fan it in the flame when you when you get when you want to? Hey, I give up. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. You ever felt like you know when it comes to spirituality, you say I'm, I, I I give up. I give up. You ever felt like that? Got to pray about it. Keep practicing. Keep practicing. It's not always as easy as it sounds coming out of our mouths, right? You know, I don't want to listen to anybody. I went down for about three years. I don't remember when it was for sure. I remember when it happened, and I remember when it stopped. But in the meantime, I was I was like a robot. I went through the motions. I went to the jail. I, I taught classes, and I was empty. I was It was void inside of me. There was nothing there. If I'd have died during that period of time, you know, there was things that I was that I was that I was thinking, not so much doing, but thinking about that was unhealthy for me. And I just went separate. Yeah. Just and thankfully I had someone in my life that could see me across the auditorium. And we went to the jail one day. We pulled up the jail and we went together. And it was Richard Rendon. And he said, We're not going in this this evening. I said, Okay. He said, you and I are going to talk. And we talked for two hours. And it was, I don't know what's going on, but before we get out of this car, you're going to tell me. He said, because something's wrong. Having someone in your life close enough, allowing them to be close enough to sense that it can be a husband, it can be a wife, it can be a child, it can be, it can be a friend, somebody in your life that can help you realize, hey, the fire's going out and I need to do something drastic here. And Richard could say things to me that nobody else could say. I would allow him to say things 
that nobody else could say to me. And he said them, every single one of them, for two hours. By the time we were through, I was broken. I was broken. I was done. Was, it was, I was, now, now the flame could start all over again. It could start, and I could start fanning it, flaming and growing it, and getting it back again. I could do that. It's easy. It happens. Satan's alive and well. What do you think he's trying to do to you? He wants to eat you. He wants to eat you. And if you're not on your game, he will He will devour you. That's what he wants to do. So what am I going to do? I'm going to pray. I'm going to keep acting. I'm going to keep doing things. But for me, praying and acting didn't help. I was doing all the things that you would have looked at and said, oh, wow, man, that's a spiritual guy. No, I wasn't. I was dead inside. Dead. And I'm looking around and saying, nobody knows. Nobody knows how I feel inside. So I think having someone in your life, someone like Paul for Timothy, to say, guy, you need to fan this. Something's wrong here. You have someone in your life like that? Someone that you're that you will get let get close enough to you and that you will let them say what they need to say no matter what. You have anybody like that in your life? I don't see anybody shaking their head, nodding. Does that mean you don't? Or does that mean, yeah, but I don't want to talk to you about it? Okay. All right. Sue. Sue has someone. You have people in your life. You have Melinda sitting right next to you. You know, which now your faith is starting to rub off on her and her daughter. Which, see how this works? But you've got someone that you can talk to. That if I know Melinda, I don't know her well, well but she's not somebody that's going to take when she opens her mouth, she's going to tell you what she thinks, not what you want to hear. Right? Is that, is that not right? She will tell you what she wants you to hear, not really what you want to hear. So, somebody else? You got someone in your life like that? Hmm? That's my friend Gail. She goes to Blythe mm -hmm. Church of Christ. Yeah. She's the one that was with you at the, at the restaurant when George and I yes. saw you all the day. She, she... <laughs> She, she'll come out of nowhere, and it's like you're being sideswiped. Mm -hmm. she, she'll say something, and I'm like, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> but then I can also tell her things, too, because she she comes from a good place, but she's alone. She's mm -hmm. a widow, and um, her, her marriage, her whole marriage was... If, I'll be totally honest with you, if Gary had ever done half the things that her husband Jerry did, you wouldn't find his body. I'd buy a wood chipper. <laughs> <laughs> I would buy a wood chipper. I'd offer fertilizing services. <laughs> if you didn't hear it, well, I know you heard it because you brought it under the, under the oh, said, You said you wouldn't find his body. <laughs> no. And I've read enough murder mysteries that I know. She's kind of playing a farm and you have hogs, hogs. <laughs> It's getting thing. better by the Just keep talking. It's going to get better by the time. <laughs> 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 There's way too much thought here. But you have to have the ladies and guys. I know. But they yeah, don't digest. You know, this is all going out live. The point here, guys, is, is to have someone in your life that can do the things and say the things that need to be done and said so that you can become the person you need to be. That's what's important here. All right?
Having someone that you trust. Now, that's hard to find. It's hard to find. I'm not going to tell you it's easy to find it. It's hard, okay, when you find them. Don't get mad when they tell you something you don't want to hear. Because finding another one may be impossible. Because maybe you can't find anybody that likes you well enough. I'm just saying. So when he when he said, he said, you fan into flame. Paul here is telling, fan this gift into flame. Get it going, okay? And he said, because when you got the laying on of our hands, you had got this gift. Now what it was, we don't know what it was. Maybe it was the gift of preaching. I don't know. Maybe it was a gift of healing. We don't know what it was, okay? But whatever it was, you know, he was using it where he was, and it was a chance Paul knew. There was a chance because Paul was the one that wrote Romans chapter 7. He said, the things I want to do, I cannot do. The things I don't want to do are the things I'm doing. He said, what a wretched man I am. So that's what Paul said. So Paul knows. If you've been at this any length of time, you know that, you know, it, it can easily happen where you start to start to crash diet. And you better have somebody in your life or, or have a great prayer life. See, my problem, my prayer life went south when that happened. I ain't praying no more. You know, I ain't reading no more. I'm, I'm just, I'm going, I'm just going through the motions, what I'm doing. And it was obvious to the person who was closest to me. It was obvious to my wife. I wasn't going to listen to her. She knew it. I wasn't going to listen to her. I didn't want to hear anything she had to say. I, I just didn't. So, you know, a lot of times it's not a spouse that can help you. It's someone that's outside looking in. Okay? Now, look at what he said. So, I'll read this again. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm going to repeat some of this stuff, okay, that I've already done before. You know, I want you to understand what he means when he said the Spirit he gave us. The indwelling of the Spirit he gave us. Gave us a, he said, he gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Some of the things that God asks us to do are impossible to do on our own. You understand? Loving an enemy is difficult to do anyway. Without God in our lives, most of us are not going to. Look at the world. Look at what's going on out there. Love is a is a is an abstract emotion and ideology in the world. We're going to make it the way we want it to be, so it fits our narrative. Here he says he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of self discipline. How in the world can we stop? Many of us stop doing some of the things we did on our own. If you don't have a problem with anything and you're just squeaky clean, then I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those of us who had something in our lives that we struggled with for years. We struggled and struggled and struggled and couldn't get a handle on it. And the only way, only option, the only thing that really saved us was the Spirit of God living in us. I want to take you back to Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to look at First Corinthians, I mean 2 Corinthians and Romans 5. We've got about four minutes, so this will Acts chapter 2. Now there's a lot of scriptures on this. I always want you to I want everybody on the same page. I want you to understand that the spirit that Timothy had. God gave to him. Okay? 
It wasn't about the laying on of hands. He had the Spirit given him just like all of us have. Look at, look at chapter 2 and verse uh, 38. This is where Paul, Peter gets up and preaches to the people who killed Jesus. They, they put him on a cross, butchered him on a cross, and put him in a tomb. And, and it, this, is, this is on the day of Pentecost. This has been 50 days. Jesus is gone. He's been gone for 10 days. He's, he's, rest, he's ascended in heaven. He's gone. He's not coming back for a while. So here's Peter preaching to those guys. He preaches from the prophet Joel, tells them all kinds of stuff. And then in verse, in verse 37, they say, what can we do? Is there anything? We've killed the only son of God. Is there anything we can do? And Peter gets up in front of them and says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What's the promise here? Forgiveness of sins and an indwelling of the Spirit. You understand why? We become the temple of God when we're cleaned by the blood. Okay? The same thing that happened to the tabernacle. When did God indwell the tabernacle? When did he, when did he move into the temple? After and only after they did what? They cleaned it. And you know how they cleaned it? They cleaned it with blood. Go look when Solomon builds a temple. Go look and see what they did. They killed thousands of animals, and they cleansed the temple through blood all over everything to cleanse it, and then God moved in. God can't move in until the temple's clean. He tells us in the, in the letter to the church of Corinth that I am the temple. You are the temple. We are the temple of God. Not this place. I am. And he says, moved in. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 4. My mistake. Chapter 1. Not chapter 4. Chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 21. Listen to this. Remember what he said in Acts 2. Repent be baptized every one of you. For what? For the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look at what he says here. Verse 21. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. Set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What does he say here in this text? What does he say he did? What did God do? Set his seal of ownership on me and put his spirit to work in my heart. One more. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him, with a seal. What? The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What did he promise? What's the Holy Spirit? What does he tell Timothy? He said, you fan this gift into flame. I laid my hands on you, and you, you weren't given a spirit of timidity. You, weren't given, you were given a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. That's what you were given. Guess what you've been given? Same spirit. Same spirit. Act like it. Act like it. Act like you have the Spirit of God living in you because that's what he says happened. I know there's debate about that. We'll sit down and talk about it if you want. But I'm telling you what the book says. What did the book say? It says, I have, the, I have been blessed 
with the Spirit, and the King James says that the Holy Spirit is, that, is the earnest of my salvation, which means like an earnest money contract. You know what that is. What an earnest, you guys know what an earnest money contract is. The, it's the promise of payment. Basically is what it is, right? An earnest money contract is a promise of payment. You give this much money, you promise that you will that you will get that you will buy that piece of property. If you don't, what happens? You lose the you lose your money, right? You lose your money. So, the Holy Spirit is my seal, my deposit, my guarantee of what's to come. What's to come? Eternal life. Eternal life. I have a taste of it now, with the Spirit living in this temple, been cleansed by the blood. Jesus said. John said in the book of First John, he said, Walk in the light, as he is in the light, have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his Son will cleanse you of all your sins. That means then, now, and later. All of that. And he says in verse 8, he says, If you say you have no sin, you're a liar, and the truth's not in you. You know what I'm saying in this room? Look around this room. If you're watching online, look at all these people here. All sinners. All sinners. In one state of recovery or another. Okay? One state of recovery or another. We need, we need mentors in our lives, we need the truth in our lives, and we absolutely need the Spirit living with us to pull this thing off. Because if we don't, we ain't. Alright? We'll see you next week, guys. We'll pick it up right here. Thank you, Ann. I put it over by Ann.